Excuse me, I don't know whether it's going to be two or three or one. Dos. <laughs> Amen. You know, there isn't nothing better than coming to Jesus, I'm telling you. Take your Bibles, go to Luke, Luke chapter 5. Man, you can turn that down. I don't know what's up so loud. Luke chapter 5. Glad to see everybody out today, man. It's just a blessing. It's going to be 69 degrees to Wednesday or something. This doesn't feel like February. Boy, today is one of those days you can almost go out and do anything and, uh, and you choose to be here. I think it's, this isn't Super Bowl Sunday, is it? Mm-hmm. Oh, man. I'll try to get you out of here before three or four. So <laughs> when Super we'll get out of here soon. I know it's sometime, man, but I don't know who, when, or when, or whatever. I don't keep up with any of that stuff, Harley. Uh, chapter 5, verse 1. And it came to pass that as people pressed upon him to hear the word of God, he stood by the lake of Gen- uh, Genezareth. And saw two ships standing by the lake, and, but the fishermen were gone out of them and were washing their nets. And he entered into one of the, the ships, which was Simon's, and prayed him that he would uh, thrust out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people out of the ship. Now when he had left speaking, he said unto Simon, launch out into the deep, let down your net for a draught. Simon, uh, and Simon answered said unto him, Master, we have toiled all the night and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will uh, let down the net. And when they, they had done this, they, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes, and their net breaked. Their net breaked. Uh, and, and they beckoned unto their partners, uh, which were on the sh- other ships, or on, on, under their partners, which were in the other ships, that they should come and help them. And they uh, came and filled both ships so that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. And he was astonished, and all that were with him, at the draught of the fishes which uh, they had taken. And so was also James and John, the sons of Zebedee, uh, which were partners with Simon. And Jesus said unto them, Fear not, from henceforth thou shalt catch men. And when they had brought their ships to land, they forsook all, and followed him. Father, thank you for your blessings today. Thank you for those that came out. Lord, thank you for those that are listening online. Uh, Lord, I just thank you for a church to still be able to come to and a Bible that we can hold in our hands. Uh, Lord, and know that it is the word of God and that you're the same Lord today as you were back then. And Lord, before you made the foundations of the world, Lord, you're the same Lord today as you've always been. And, and thank you that we can know who you are today. Thanks for our Bible. Thank you for our precious Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave his blood at Calvary that 2,000 years later, Lord, sinners can still get in and we can still come to Jesus. What a blessing that is. Lord, if there's anyone in the room today that doesn't know you as their Savior, I pray that you touch their hearts. Uh, for the rest of us, Lord, just let us get a little bit closer. Uh, as time draws drawing shorter and shorter, Lord, that we can have more faith and, Lord, that more things get done. I don't think you're done yet. I still think you have plenty of stuff to do. Lord, help us to be uh, willing and ready to do what you want done. And we'll praise you and honor you in Jesus' name. Amen. Be seated for a second. I won't be very long. Uh, I'm trying to cut my Sunday morning messages down to two hours instead of three. So hopefully we'll get out of here. But Peter, uh, the Lord comes up here and and he says he came to seek and save that which was lost over in Luke. Uh, And that's exactly what he came to do. And and to get to Jesus Christ is the best thing you'll ever do. I'm telling you what, at any time of your life, the best time you'll ever have in life is to get to Jesus Christ. You say, well, I'm backslidden. Well, the best thing you could ever do is get unbackslidden and get back to Jesus Christ. I've just found that he does some of the strangest things that you've ever seen in your life. No matter how bad you think you are, 
He's always there willing and ready to take you back in at any given moment. I mean, any given moment and, and use you. You say, how would you know that? Because I'm a wicked devil, man. I already know. I already know me and I know him and I watch what he does. He says, I'll, I'll never leave thee nor forsake you. He says that over in Matthew. That's a promise. You know what I know? I know that I'm facing the devil on a, on a 24-hour basis. And if I'm not facing the devil, I'm facing me. And in any case, the way, any way you look at it, I'm going to mess up. And I'm just glad I got a God that knows and a Lord that knows and I'm going to mess up. And he's always there. So get back up. A righteous man falls seven times to get back up. That's what you do. You just get back up. Number one, I like to say people need to hear the word of God. They need to hear it. You got a Bible sitting in front of you and the best thing you could ever hear is about Jesus Christ. There is nothing on this planet. Nothing. I'm telling you, nothing, nowhere. I don't care. I've been all over the place. And there is nothing on this planet that, that exceeds or even comes close to Jesus Christ. I, I enjoy it. I enjoy it. I don't care where I was at on this planet. It just, I was in the Navy, if you didn't know that. But, I mean, you get anywhere, and, and I go out. I snorkeled off the coast of Diego Garcia, which is over in the middle of the Indian Ocean. And as soon as I hit the water, man, and get down there, and I'm looking at all the little fishes, I'm thinking, man, the Lord made that one. I wonder why he made that one green and that one orange and this one that and this one that. And then you see a shark go by, and you, you think, oh, man. Well, I seen one go by one time, but it was dead. It was a good shark. <laughs> it kind of floated and rolled over and went down through it. I'm hoping it was dead. But, you know, when you start looking at the hand of God, man, I mean, people need to hear that it's, it's God. It is not Elon Musk. It is not Bill Gates. It is not Donald Trump. It is not uh, President Biden. Well, we all know that. <laughs> well, I tell you what, I really feel sorry for him. I really do. I mean, he, he, I think he's really trying. Uh, but you can't, without the hand of God in some of this stuff, there's just nothing you could do, man. I'm telling you what, it's, it's, it's a lost, it's a lost cause. But Jesus, Jesus comes up and he comes up, the title of this message is discouragement. You ever been discouraged? Discouragement will just mess you all up. And, and especially in the time frame we're in, uh, you look at the world, the Lord says, follow me, come and follow me. And, and the world says, you got to do this, 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 this. And the Lord says, come and follow me. And, and you got to do this, 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 this. And you just got to take care of business. And here's these guys, they're, they're out there and they're, they've been fishing all night and they can't catch anything. And their way of life is right there fishing and they need to catch some fish. And that's how they make their money and feed their families. And, and Peter and James and John, Andrew's probably out there with them too, but didn't mention him. But all these guys are in partnerships together and they're cleaning their nets. And they've been out there all night with like a wasted night. Now they got to wait, and the, and the fish aren't running anymore, and, and global warming and everything else is killing all the fish. And, and, and then we got all these other people over here, the fisheries, and they're taking all the fish, and there ain't no more fish out here anywhere. Could you just imagine these guys sitting out there not catching anything? And that's their, I mean, everything they got. They got to pay for the maintenance on the boats. They got to do all this stuff. The, the gasoline, the diesel fuel, whatever it is to run these things, they got to have all that stuff, just like we have to have it today. Their nets break. They have to get the money to fix the nets, and they didn't get no fish. And you talk about discouragement. Cause of discouragement. You know what will cause discouragement in your life? Verse 2. And, and it says, well, verse 1, and it came to pass. As the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God. You know what the Lord wants to do is get the word of God out to people. And he wants to use stuff at his fingertips to get the word of God out. We got a bunch of tracks out here. Do you pass them out? All you got to do is pass them out. They, they really don't hurt nobody. I've had people go, uh, uh. I said, look, man, it's just a piece of paper. It's all it is, a piece of paper. I said, you could do all kinds of stuff with it. There's not a lot of room to write on it. But I said, you give it to a kid, man. Kids can write all over it. It's just a piece of paper. It says some things. It says some things, and, and, it, and it, 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 it's just a piece of paper. And if you don't believe it, throw it away. 
I said, why would you be afraid? To, I've, I've had actually people say, I can't take it. I, had, I mean, Jehovah's Witnesses are the funny ones. They won't, take, they won't take it. But they want you to take theirs. I was this old lady one day, man, she was in a car. I mean, she had this nice car. I don't know, it's like a, an Audi or something. I mean, it's a nice car, man, a little bitty car. Two old ladies in it. Like, what is two old ladies doing in that kind of car? But that's okay. In, in a Cubs parking lot. And they're sitting out there passing out tracks, and, and uh, they gave me one. And I stick it in my back pocket, don't think nothing about it. And I, because I want it, ain't going, it's just a piece of paper. Going to Cubs, get halfway through Cubs, and Lord says, uh, You need to look at what you just stuck in your pocket. So I pull it out. It says, Watch Tire Society. I said, Oh, man. I said, Lord, they're just two old ladies, man. I said, They're out there in the parking lot, just two old ladies. He goes, Yeah, but they're wrong. I said, But it's two old ladies. You're going to make me go out there and be mean to two old ladies on a Saturday morning. I said, Okay. They can't hurt me, anyways. So I walk up, and the, the little old lady's sitting in her car, little gray hair. You know, Jehovah's Witnesses are about the biggest morons you've ever seen. I, I, take it, I take it graciously, but they are. that Most of them people are ex-Baptists, by the way, uh, they, the, because they didn't know enough about their Bible to understand that, hey, first of all, King James Bible is the Word of God, a 1611 King James authorized version, not a new King James, not a NIV, RSV, ESV, none, no, King James 16. They never spend enough time in their Bible to find out that this is the Word of God. So they, when, when a Jehovah Witness comes along, they can talk them out of it. Down in Pensacola, Florida, we used to have these, these Jehovah Witnesses that come up. They had bags, man. These, they looked like carpetbaggers or whatever they were, man. These ladies would have bags. I mean, big old monster bags. And they'd be full of Bibles. And you tell them what Bible you got, they'll pull that out of there, and they'll show you out of your Bible where you're all wrong. First of all, if they could take a Bible that you're supposed to be reading, and you're supposed to know something about it, and they could tell you where you're wrong in that Bible, and you can't tell them where they're wrong, there's something with what you've learned. Wrong, wrong, bad wrong. Anyways, this old lady's over here at the Cubs parking lot. And I walk out and look at her. I said, ma'am, I said, I'm a Baptist and you're a Jehovah Witness. And I said, you handed me this track. I said, but if I went to hand you one, you wouldn't even take it. So I took that track and wadded it up right in front of her face and dropped it on the ground. You say, that's mean. Well, what they were teaching would throw you into hell. You think that's mean? That lady picked that track up off the ground and, and unfolded it like it, was, like it was itself was the scripture, the word of God. And, and they shut the door and drove out of the parking lot. I never had to say a whole lot to her. You know, she didn't want to hear nothing I had to say anyways. I said, look, I'm gracious enough that I took your track. But if I went to offer you one, you wouldn't even take it. I was just wadded up, man. I can still see your face. You say, oh, you're mean. I'm not mean, man. The Lord just wants to use you wherever you're at. <laughs> On a Saturday morning in the Cubs parking lot against two old ladies. Now, that's pretty fair, man. Here's a big old sailor, six foot three, going to take on two old women in a car. Man, what a bad guy he is. Cause of discouragement is idleness. You know why, why you get idle? Them guys are sitting here, and it says, and saw two ships. So Jesus is sitting there trying to, he's going to talk to some people, and he wants to, he wants to get to the best crowd. That's why we put a platform up here. Maybe a little bit high. You could have probably dropped it down another one, had more room up here. But, but we put a platform up here, or, or they used to put the seats up. Doctor, uh, when I was going to Bible college, they said, when you build a church, what you ought to do is raise the back up. I said, man, that takes up two minutes. It's easy to put a platform up here. Uh, Ezra did that. And that way, it's not that you talk. I've had people say, well, you talk down to the people. No, you can see them. They can see you. You know what most complaints I get is somebody with a big head sitting in front of somebody else that's short? Short people should sit up front, by the way. And we wouldn't. There's some extra seats up here. Not that I'm against short people, but if a big-headed guy's in front of you or a lady's in front of you, how about a lady with hair like this? 
What do you do, man? You move in front of them. Simple, man. You saw you move on the other side or something else. There's some seats back here that we need to do something with. This side over here is getting to be pretty good. This is the spiritual side over here. This side over here, man, y'all can use some help. I can see some holes here, but that's all right. Oh, it's crazy. Idleness. Jesus comes by and he saw two ships standing by. I mean, and they had their reasons. I mean, they were out all night. Well, that's no reason to be idle, not in the Lord's eyes. Well, Lord, we've been working all night. Well, where did it say you quit? You don't quit till you get put in a casket. When you die, that's when you, no discharge from that war. You know what the war is? Life. You just keep going. Here's the Lord. He, he, people say, well, I can't believe he asked so much. Yeah, man, I've been out all night working. I just got my nets out, cleaning them up. I got one left in the boat, and you going to make me go back out. Yes, idleness. You know you'll be discouraged. You know what that'll do? That'll get Peter all man fired up, and he's like, I can't believe he's going to do this. It'll get you out of being discouraged. You won't even care about being discouraged anymore. You're mad now. I am furious. You're going to make me take my boat back out at sea, and I got to get out here. Uh, okay. Sometimes we forget who we're doing this for. Who, who are you actually doing it for? Uh, you, you're no rewards for the effort. Verse 5. Look at that. And Simon answered and said, unto him, Master, we have toiled all night. We've been out there all night and didn't get nothing. Discouragement. You'll get discouraged, man, when you do stuff. And you don't think you get nothing for it. You know what you, who are you doing it for then? There's the key to that whole thing. I, uh, when I, it's always, I look at the Lord. I look at the Lord and say, Lord, I, when I do something, I want to do it for him. I hate getting off on the side sidelines over here and trying to do stuff that, that I don't think the Lord is in. If the Lord's not in it, I really don't care to be in it. I want to be right in the middle where he's at. And I don't care whether I have much of anything or any part to do with anything. Put me in a corner over there. Leave me alone. As long as I know the Lord is right there, I'm just perfectly happy with that. I don't have to have anything. I don't need it. He's given me more than I. The more stuff you get, the more stuff you got to take care of, and the more time you got to do taking care of it that you should have been with him. That's the hardest thing to get across to people's minds. I've been doing this for 65 years, and for 65 years, I lived on a ship, and if you're in the military, you know, I had a little rack, man, about that. That was my life right there, man. You raise that thing up like a piano. My, my rack was no thicker than this thing right here, about that wide and maybe six foot six long. It's almost like a coffin, man. And you lift up the top, and, and everything you had in life was right there in this thing about this deep. Or, no, I take it back. I did have one little locker that was about this wide and about this deep and about this tall for all my hang-up stuff that I put in there. That was my life. Now, you want to tell me what more you need? I could go anywhere in the world with that and have fun. Boy, I tell you what, when I started getting all this, I mentioned in Sunday school day when I got married, all that went to the wayside. <laughs> man, I mean, I have a two-story house and all this other stuff. I'm like, what in the world, man? Is all of this stuff. You gotta have firewood, you gotta have this, you gotta have that, you gotta this, you gotta this. I'm like, I wanna go back on the ship, man. I mean, it's easier back then. Idleness. You know, the Lord knows that if you get idle, you need to find something to do. There's tracks out there. You say, what am I gonna do? Well, grab a stack of tracks and go find somebody to do it. Give them one, man. Take one. Find some way, find the worst person that you know that hates everything about Christianity and try to figure a way to get them to take a track joyfully. I mean, sit there and ask, you know what that does? It takes idleness out of your life. And all of a sudden, you're sitting there going, hmm, I could do this, and I could do this. And you start thinking about stuff. Then, guess what? The Holy Spirit can start getting involved in the thing. They're doubt about future bounties. Discouragement. Man, we didn't catch nothing all night. 
We've been out there all night and hadn't coached. It didn't tell you about the night before the night before. They may have had three or four, five, five bad nights. And they're sitting there with nothing and it's the cost of everything. And back then, they didn't have no money. I mean, it's just they either made money or they didn't. You take your eyes off the Lord. You know that not one of these guys at this point was sitting there saying, Lord, how about this? And Lord, how about that? And Lord, how? You say, well, it's early in the New Testament. They knew who Jesus was because when he told them, take your boat out, let's go out. Simon finally did it. Culprit promoting discouragement. You know what will cause discouragement? Is a lack of faith. Most Christians, we should never be discouraged. Uh, You get a little bit here and there, I got that, maybe a little depression. Uh, But you should be able to bring yourself out of that really quick. Uh, uh, You're still vertical. Uh, You still got, you live in America. You still got food on the table most of the time. Uh, Most of you drove up in a nice car. I bet you nice or decent anyways. Uh, You got jobs. If not, you live with somebody who's got a job like Esther. She lives with us, and we pay to feed her, feed her, and take care of her. And she tells me I have to do it till she gets married. I'm like, when is that? She goes, well, I'm, I don't know, 30, 40, 50, whatever. <laughs> but, but lack of faith. Hudson Taylor, I like Hudson Taylor. Hudson Taylor started the China Missions. And he was a young man in, in uh, England, and he, and he just, the Lord told him to go. And he goes, gets on a ship, and he heads out of Dodge. It says, when Hudson Taylor, the famous missionary, first went to China, uh, it was in a sailing vessel. Boy, could you imagine? I, oh, I couldn't even imagine a sailing vessel. I, I, like, I like them with engines. They're, they're just, they can move. I, don't, I can't imagine stopping in the middle of the ocean and just getting thrown, thrown all over the place, but it happened a couple times. Very close to the shore of a cannibal island. The ship was a becalmed, just sitting there, and it was slowly drifting toward the shore, unable to, to go out and about... Uh, uh, or unable to go about, and the savages were eagerly anticipating dinner. Then <laughs> this ship kept moving closer and closer and closer. So here comes the captain. The captain came up to Mr. Taylor and besought him to pray for help for God. And that's to say, I'll, I'll pray for you. He says, if you'll drop all the cells and get ready for some wind. The captain said, that, that made me look sick. We're, we're in a place where there is no wind. Why would you have cells out? My question is, is you're, you're drifting toward the shore. Why ain't you got yourselves out in case you do get some wind? But he said, no, I'm not going to do it. Everybody will laugh at me. Hudson Taylor said, then I ain't going to pray for you until you can drop the sails. Why would I ask God to give you something and you're not ready to take what he's going to give you? You know what's wrong with most of us? We want to pray to God for something that we don't really think he's going to give us anyways. Why would you ask him for it? I think you ought to get ready, man. You ought, uh, we're, we're, I got the last room down here. If you go down and look at the, the nursery, uh, Monday or Tuesday, he'll, he'll be finished with drywalling that, mudding it, hopefully the ceiling will be stomped. We go in there and paint the thing. That's the last room in this building, 15 years into this thing. And I told the Lord walking right down the side of this building 15 years ago that I would make sure that this building got remodeled so it would be a good church. And it is now a decent church to come to church on. I like our little church, man. I really do. I walk in here Monday through Friday, and I just walk through. I feel like Samuel, man, get to go in the temple like Eli and get to light the candles and stuff. I, sometimes I get mad because I have to change all the light bulbs and stuff. But we used to have George for that, and he quit. Uh, something about old age, I don't know what the deal is, man. Uh, y'all pray for him. He really needs some help. I I know he's like 83 or 84, but come on, man. I mean, it's just a ladder. It's just a a 16-foot ladder. What is that deal, man? We'll leave the ladder out and just walk around in church. But but he'll be the first to tell me, oh, that light bulb's out. (laughs) And that one's flickering over there. (laughs) But, oh, man, the last room is done. 
And the Lord, I've watched him start doing some stuff in the last two weeks that it was like 15 years ago he said, are you going to do what you're supposed to do? You know what idleness will do? It'll keep you from doing anything. You say, well, you don't need a church. Well, it's kept me busy for 15 years. And you're here because of it. You ought to thank God for that, man, that he gave, he gave somebody a job to do. <laughs> Mike, take your boat out. Take your church, man. I'm like, you're, I was a sailor, man. Where's the water? Shouldn't I just go out with a boat? No, I'm going to give you a church, man. You're going you're gonna to take the church out. That's a crazy thing, man. The Lord doesn't. There's, I've been discouraged from time to time. But you know what this does? This, this is, it'll take it away. I was discouraged to know that I had two rooms left to do. And I'm like, well, I got to go do it, man. I got to go do it. You just have to. The Lord, you can't take your eyes off the Lord. No matter what happens in this world, the devil wants to do all kinds of stuff. But Hudson Taylor, he said, I ain't going to do it unless you, you do it. Taylor said, I will not undertake to pray. Now, Hudson Taylor was a praying man. Hudson Taylor one time was, was uh, praying for $1,000, 1,000 pounds, I think it was 1,000 pounds. Uh, but he was praying for it, and he's in China. And it takes four months. If somebody dropped a letter in the mail, man, we get mad if it's two days now. But, but it took four months to get a letter from London or England to where he's at in China. That took four months. He started praying, Lord, I need 1,000 bucks. One month later, he gets 1,000 bucks or 1,000 pounds, whatever it was. Uh, a man in London started, I forget the preacher's name now, Mueller, yeah, George Mueller. George Mueller in London, three months earlier, the Lord told him to send him a check for 1,000 pounds. And Mueller sends a check. The check was already in the mail three months before, before Hudson Taylor ever started praying for it. God, when he starts doing something, he's not only touching one heart, he's touching another. Mueller, or Hudson Taylor's sister said, I ain't going to pray unless you drop the sales, man. The captain, uh, he goes, Taylor said, I will not undertake to pray for this vessel unless you prepare the sails, and it was done. He finally did it. Hudson goes to his room, starts praying. Oh, God. Who's there? I'm praying, man. Don't you, have you ever been praying somebody knocks or rings the phone and it just irritates you to no end? That's why I can see him. While engaged in prayer, there was a knock at the door of his stateroom. Who's there? The captain's voice responded, are you still praying for wind? He said, yes. He goes, well, stop. We got too much. <laughs> now, that's the way you want to, that's the response you're looking for right there, man. You know what? You know what? The captain wasn't discouraged. They was all discouraged when it was floating. Don't you going to, oh, look at them guys out there. They got the forks and knives and everything, man. They're ready. And all of a sudden, now they're sailing away to another area. You know what? God was going to get Hudson Taylor to the China mission. He's going to get him to China. He had a job for Hudson Taylor. Brother, I'm telling you what, you get God involved in something, you get the Lord involved in something, he's done with it, man. It's, it's done. All you got to do is get behind him. I, talk, I talked to him, experience is one of the worst things you'll ever get in life. I mentioned that in Sunday school today. Because by experience means I have to learn that something didn't work to make it work and figure out how to do it. You know, if you just listen to God and he tells you what to do, it's like right every single time. You don't have to do it five or six times to get the right answer. You just do it the first time. Lord, what would you have me do? Oh, here, I'll tell you this. Hudson Taylor said this. I got a bunch of stuff. I like Hudson Taylor. He's a good guy. Hudson Taylor would tell those who wanted to be a missionary. You want to be a missionary today? I want to go serve God. Yeah, okay. He goes, uh, he would tell people who want to be a missionary to China uh, that there were three indispensable requirements for a missionary. Boy, I can see everybody. They're like, I'm ready. Tell me. 
tell me I'm going to be the greatest man. He says, number one, it's patience. Number two, it's patience. And number three, it's patience. Well, you know, people go away, they can't handle that. Be still and know that I am God. I don't need you to start with. I just want to use you. I want Peter, I want to use your ship. Simon, will you take it out? That's how most of us are. He's an old fisherman, man. Have you ever been around old fishermen? Them, some of them guys are rough, man. Funny as anything, but rough. He does it. He takes it out. Discouragement. Lack of faith. Devil gets in there, too. You know what discouragement is? It's a wedge. A man said this once. It's, it's a wedge to get into a man's mind. When, and get in a lady's mind, too, by the way. Uh, get into a man's mind when all other means fail. They'll try to get you discouraged. It'll be personal things or, or health issues or whatever it could be, all that stuff. Hey, man, I, I thank God for Fanny Crosby. I talk about her all the time. She died blind. She was blinded six weeks old, I believe, in her life. Over eight or 9,000 songs are attributed that we sing in that songbook, the different songs in different songbooks. Eight to 9,000 songs were attributed to that woman's life. Blind, never heard her once ever complain about being blind. Somebody asked her one time, say, hey, Fanny, if you could get your sight back, would you get it back? She goes, no. She goes, because the first person I'll ever see is Jesus Christ. Amen. Now, man, I tell you what, that's an attitude. That's a good attitude there. That's a, that's a, that's a Navy attitude. <laughs> that's a great attitude, man. Let's, oh, let's get underway, Captain. That's the way, I mean, that's, I, I think, I'm like, Peter, man, why you had the opportunity to say, oh, it could have been in the Bible right there. Oh, let's do it, Captain. And no, he didn't do it. He says he's the captain of her souls, the bishop of her souls, man. He had the perfect opportunity, but he didn't do it. He told him, they either go down the sea in ships. I mean, you're right at the ship. Let's go out, man. You're right at the right place. Right to, you got everything to go for you. Let's do it. But the culprit is lack of faith. Faithful, man, faithful. Faith without faith is impossible to please him, and it really hurts. The cure for discouragement is encouragement. You know, you got to encourage yourself sometimes. You just got to sit there and say, I'm going to do it anyways. I'm going to do it. I'm gonna, I told the Lord I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. Lord, I don't want to do it. My flesh don't want to do it. I'm just going to do it anyways because that's what needs to be done. David probably is one of the greatest examples of that. Uh, I mean, he, all the kid wanted to do, man, a little kid, is serve God. That's all he wanted to do. Have you ever just wanted to do something and, and be what you wanted to be, but, but everybody's against you and want to kill you and stuff? Well, David, David, he learned how to play his flute and, the heart, and his little lyre or whatever, and, and he did everything he was supposed to do, and Saul then called him up, and because Saul started getting depressed because of sin, and David could pull that stuff out of him because David was always happy, man. The joy of the Lord is your strength, by the way. There's where your strength comes in. True strength comes with power from God in your life. And knowing that he is who he says, it doesn't say you're perfect and that you're doing great things. It's that you, you know he's your God and you get, I like over in 1 John. He'll say, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And everybody sits there and looks at it and says, well, well, well. It, the only reason it says that is you go back to verse 4, that your joy may be full. You know what God's looking for? Some happy people. Amen. Well, I'll tell you what, you get saved, you ought to be one happy person. There's a lot of people on this planet that don't know that. They don't know where they're going to go when they die. 1980 on the back porch, I figured out where I was going to go when I die. I get to go to heaven. And I've been learning about that for 43 years. What a blessed thing, man. David, David gets chewed out, gets javelin. Now, you've never had a javelin chunked at you from somebody who can chunk a javelin. 
I mean, David was just a little bit faster than that javelin thrower was because a tip, these guys were warriors. And they knew how to kill people. And you get Saul, and he's, he's the king, man. He knew how to chunk a javelin, and David got away from that thing a couple times. Saul tried to kill him. Why? Because David goes out and just trying to prove who he is. Man, I'm going to kill. David kills his 10,000, and Saul, is Saul gets a little upset. Why would you get upset? You got a man that can go out. David had 33 mighty men. Actually, had 37 mighty men, man. I mean, they just go out for, just for kicks, man. I'm going to jump down a hole with a line and kill him. Don't have nothing else to do today. I I'm I'm don't want to be idle. And I'm going to hear, I mean, it's, you, you ever read about some of his mighty men? David said he wants a glass of water out of the well at Bethlehem. Hey, who's with me? Let's go. And they, pew, they shoot down to Bethlehem. Thousands and millions of Philistines, they don't care, man. Three guys, they just go through the whole crowd. You can see the whole thing falling all over the place. They get down there and get him a cup of water. One guy has to carry the cup back. Probably They don't have screw-on lids back then, so one guy has to carry the thing back without spilling any. And the other two have to make the way. I'm just making that up, but it sounds good. <laughs> and all the way back, these two guys, they hold, they hold the cup to get back, and then David dumps it out in front of them. He said, I ain't going to, you guys risked your life for that thing. He had some mean men, man. He had some guys in battle that God gave your eye to hit tight. Oh, man, he had, some, he had some mighty men. And David got discouraged. He, he, he went down, and, and just to get away from Saul, he went down and joined Agag, or the uh, Philistines. And he got down there, and, and they were going to send him out to war. And then the other Philistines got mad and said, no, no, this is the guy who killed the 10,000 like of us. Why do we want him on our side? Get him out of here. So the king sends him back, and David gets all depressed. He goes back to Ziklag, and, and the city's burned, and all the people were taken. His families are all taken. Everybody wants to stone him to death. It says, verse, uh, 1 Samuel 36, it says, And David was greatly distressed, for the people spoke of stoning him. He's been taking care of over 600 men and their families making sure they got food, making sure they got water, making sure they got clothing, everything else. And one little thing happens, their whole town gets burned up, and they get mad at him. It's just a little thing. They, st they spake of stoning him because the souls of all the people were grieved. Every man for his son and for his daughters, but David encouraged himself in the Lord. You know what David did? He said, guys, we got to go. He said, it doesn't look good. I know it doesn't look good, but we got to go. And we got to follow this trail, and we got to go back where see if we can get this thing back. And he, he calmed them all down. They all started following. And the next thing you know, man, they, they find a young lad, and, and the Lord works the thing out. Trust in the Lord with all thy heart. Lean not. That's my favorite verse in the Bible. Lean not into thy own understanding. Always acknowledge him, and he'll direct thy path. In the middle of the wilderness, he runs David right across this little guy that's sick. And they dump him. The, the, the Amalekites dump him because he's sick. They don't care. But this world don't care about you, by the way. This little boy was sick, and instead of taking him with him until he actually died or something and take care of him, no, they just dumped him in the desert out there, let the coyotes or the wild animals eat him. That's what this world wants to do with us. But no, no, no. David picks him up, and, he, and the kid says, hey, uh, just don't give me back to them. He said, I'll take you down there, but don't give me. He said, I ain't going to give you. You're on my side now. He takes him down there, and they get everything back, plus some. And you sit there and say, what is it? Sometimes you just got to encourage yourself. You got to say, no, no, I'm on the Lord's side. Who is on the Lord's side? Like Joshua, as far as me and my house, we shall serve the Lord. So, how, about, how about Samuel? Samson, blind as a bat. Can't see. Little boy, you know, they're coming out to make fun of him. He could be all depressed. He's like, Lord, give me this last time, man. I want to take out some Philistines. Can't see them, but I want to take them out. I can smell them. 
And he goes, hey, little boy. He says, you know the two big pillars? He goes, take me to them two big pillars and put, put my hand on one here and one over here. And he does that, and Samson knocks those pillars out. And he said he killed more in his, his death than he did in his lifetime. Well, he took a jawbone of an ass one, ass one time and killed a 1,000 men. Now, that's pretty impressive, but to knock down a building and kill more than that and all the other people he killed, you say, why would he kill? Because he's trying to serve God. You know what Samson did? He encouraged himself in the Lord. You know, sometimes you just got to encourage yourself. The cure for discouragement is encouragement. Do something, man. Just find something to do and do it. Uh, I mean, that's all you got to do. You don't need anybody else to tell you what to do. You already know what to do. All Peter had to do was take the boat and move out a little ways and let Jesus use it as a pulpit. Why? Verse 1, and it came to pass as the people pressed him upon him to hear the word of God. There is still people that want to hear the word of God. I don't care if it's one. In eternity, one is going to be there forever. In hell, one will be there forever. But boy, but if you got the part of getting that one in heaven, if you don't get to do nothing else in heaven but watch that one, I had a part. <laughs> I had a part. I had a part. I mean, it will matter there. In God's eyes, in the Lord Jesus Christ's eyes, that's why he came and lived and died. He came to seek and save that which was lost. You know why he wants to take Peter's boat out there? Is so he can have a platform to talk of. Now, I'm going to tell you this. Why? Why, why be encouraged instead of discouraged? Other people are watching. You know what the Lord did right there? He said, Peter, go out. Go to the deep and, and throw out your net. <laughs> they usually have nets in the boat. Well, they were so discouraged, they took all the nets out, left them on the shoreline drying, and he didn't have, the boat was not ready. But he had one net. And he goes, Lord, we've been out there all night. All night long, all night long, have caught absolutely nothing. But, okay, okay. You know, son, have you ever went out past a track out and you just feel like it's a waste of time? Lord, I've passed out so many tracks and, and nobody wants them. They take them, they smile at you. And, and, you know, you find a little kid, you take kids with you, and, and you give the track to the kid because nobody can deny a kid, and they'll take the track out of the kid's hand. They'll do all kinds of stuff, but, but you, you sit there and say, well, how many people come to church? I'm, very few that we see, but you don't know where they're going. You have no idea. Sam, Dr. Sam Gibb will be here in June, but uh, he came through here one time, and I had left a ship after 25 years, and he's still telling me that there's people, and he didn't know that it was me that started the church on that ship. He didn't know that. I didn't tell him that. You know what he did? He said, I go to that, and the, the ch churches are full of people off of that ship 25 years later. You say, what, what is that? I said, all I did 25 years ago was I was on a ship as an E6 passing gospel tracks out to whoever would take them and giving them out and telling them about Jesus the best I could. There's a lot of people better. I The best I could, 24-7, the best I could, fixed everything, told them about Jesus. Tell them about Jesus, fix everything. Tell them about, that's all I did. I didn't want to do nothing else. I didn't want to make raid. I didn't want to be a chief. I didn't want to be an officer. I just wanted to be an ET fixing stuff and telling people about Jesus. You know what I get to do today? I get to fix up a church and tell people about Jesus. <laughs> same thing, man. It's the same exact thing. No difference, a little bit of different wood and stuff. I get to be a carpenter now, man. My dad taught me that. <laughs> I wonder why y'all taught me that. Others are watching. Verse 7 through 10. Just about done. 
And they beckoned. Man, they got out there, and they dropped that. He said, we'll do it, man. We'll do it. But they ain't, they ain't no fish was out there all night, man. And he throws the net over the side. And, I mean, the net probably didn't even hit the water, and the fish are jumping in the net. And it's just full. It's just full. And he says, and they beckoned unto their partners, which were in the other ship, that they should come and help them. And they came and filled both ships. I don't think the Lord's done yet. I think there's still time for him to do whatever he wants to do. What is, this, this church will hold 300 people. That's what they, they, the city, when we put the, this end on here, that's what they classify this as. But we could put chairs down the middle. Uh, and, and if we had to, we just bought a building up here, and we got enough room on the front, we'll throw another building on here and make it 600 and put 300 here and 600 there. But what is, what is 300 to 8 billion? It's absolutely nothing. But to the Lord, it's everything. If he gets the right 300, David had the right 37, and you didn't mess with him. Matter of fact, you did not mess with Israel. He said one will make a 1,000 run, or he'll flip it around, and a 1,000 will run in one. <laughs> I would rather be the one that makes a 1,000 run. You know, God can use any one of us, one of us, to do a great thing. You may not ever know it. You, what you got to do is just say, no, I'm a, I'm a child of the king. I'm a child of the king, a child of the king, with Jesus my savior, I'm a child of the king. That's what I am. The devil can't take that away from me, never could. I got saved and I got saved. That, that was the biggest mistake he ever let happen. He didn't let it happen, the Lord knew it. But if he could have stopped it, he would have stopped it. But once I got a hold of that thing, I'm just thinking, I never had a problem with eternal security, never had a problem with that. Getting saved was the problem I had. Well, am I sure I'm saved? Eternal security was, if he could give it, surely he could keep it. I don't have to worry about it. If, if I really got it, the question is, did I really get it? If I really got it, then I don't have to worry about keeping it because he's, he's going to keep it for me. Trust, trust the Lord. Encourage. You need to, others are watching. Richard, verse 8. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knee. It's just a bunch of fish, man saying, depart from me. I am a sinful man, O oh Lord. Brother, I'm telling you what, this guy, Peter, he always gets the brunt of everything. I feel so sorry for him sometimes. But I'm sure glad the Lord used him, and, and Peter had broad shoulders, and he could take all the stuff. He told Peter one time, he said, get thee behind me, Satan. You know what most people do? They get offended and leave. Not Peter, man. Peter said, okay, I'm behind you now. <laughs> I mean, I can see Peter doing it. I'm here, man. Where else am I going to go? You got the words of life. Can't go nowhere else. There ain't nobody else going to tell me what you're going to tell me. I'm here, man. I'm like, yes, sir, man. I'd, I'd sign on a ship. I'd, Captain said, Petty Officer Elliot, I'd come to the bridge. Yes, sir. Petty Officer Elliot here. What do you want, sir? R. <laughs> and he'd tell me what he wanted, and I did it. I didn't care, man. I'm a sailor. I get to be in the Navy. I was so thankful that I got to be in the Navy. That's all I ever wanted. Now I get to be in the Navy. Man, I'm glad I'm in the Navy. Some people, I don't want to go out on a ship. I'm like, get that thing out at sea, man. I don't know senior chief tell me one time. Sailors belong on ships. Ships belong at sea. And your wife didn't come in a sea bag. I'm like, good, I'm not married yet, so it don't matter to me. <laughs> the moment I got married, I got out of the Navy. <laughs> it took me a little while, but I did, man. I never went back out to sea again. That was so sad. Beth messed me all up. <laughs> I had five years consecutive sea time to the day. The moment I stepped a foot on a ship, I would get about $500 a month more just to step on the ship. I was ready, man. I was ready for the next ship. And she got pregnant with number three. 
And the Lord said, he wasn't going to go with me there. So I'm like, I'm out of here, man. Others are watching. Verse 9, for he was astonished. That was Peter. And all that were with him at the draught of fishes which they had taken. You know, if you ever get, I got some prayer books, man. Still got them. I got three. They're Ian Bounds uh, Complete Works. And I said, I got them. I'll give them to you. I'll give you one if you promise to read the book. I haven't had a lot of takers on that, by the way. Why is that? Uh, I got one personal one I'm using myself. My wife's got one. A couple other people got them. Uh, if you learn, if you get your life to where you can pray and you start getting a, a walk with Jesus Christ the right way and you learn how to pray, then you two become like that. And he says, you have not because you ask not. And when you ask, you ask amiss. You'll learn how to ask. There is a way to do that, by the way. And you learn how to do that. And when you learn how to do that, you would be surprised what happens. I would love to see everybody do more than what I did in 43 years. Boy, that would be, oh, man, this world wouldn't even be the same. Something's wrong with our Christianity. Something is bad wrong when we got the God of the universe on our side. And we, we always feel defeated. We're not defeated, man. Others are watching. I got people watching me. Verse 10. And so was also James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were, which were partners with Simon. And Jesus said unto Simon, Fear not, henceforth thou shalt be fisher of men. There's a purpose. The Lord don't want to just use you and show you things in your life. He wants you to build and build and build and build and build and build and build because he wants to use you for the same thing he, he was. He said, I came to seek and save that which was lost. So you know what your number one position in this world is over everything else? To seek and save. That means you got to look for somebody and save, get them saved, that which was lost. You may not see them always get saved. Boy, you can sure definitely get the seed in their face. You can still help them. Why be encouraged instead of discouraged? There's a reason, man. Others are watching. You might just miss the will of God if you're discouraged over in the corner, belly aching. <laughs> and the will of God comes right into your life and back out. I don't want that. You will develop the right motive. I got another Hudson Taylor thing here, and I'm just about done. Hudson Taylor was interviewing some people. You know, we miss this. We don't vet anybody anymore. I think if you say you're going to get in a ministry, then somebody ought to sit down with you and say, are you really sure you want to do this? Are you really sure? Oh, man, I want to be this. I want to be a preacher, man. I want to come up here and preach. I want to, well, you probably do a lot better, but, but I'm telling you, we want this stuff, but nobody wants to vet. Hudson Taylor actually vetted. He was sitting down interviewing some people, some young people who had volunteered for the Lord's service. He asked several practical questions to find out how well qualified they were for the life they were anticipating. You know what's wrong with most missionaries? They get on the field, they get all fired up, and, and we encourage them, and we give them money and support and everything. It's, it's hard to get money out of me. You can't. I had a guy come through here one time. He's going to go to the deepest, darkest, darkest jungles in, Africa, or in South America. I mean, where the drug lords are and the snakes and all that other stuff. And, and you can't get there by no other way than a boat to a, a trail through, the, through the, probably the people who eat you and everything else. The guy never had a job in his life. I'm like, you ain't going to get, you probably won't even get off the airplane down there. And if you do, you're going to get so discouraged because you're not, you're, you don't know nothing about that yet. 
Well, my dad, I don't care what your dad was. I'm talking about it. Hudson Taylor goes on. <laughs> he says, and why do you wish to go as a foreign missionary? One young man said this. I want to reach others across the sea because Christ has commanded us to go into all the world. I can give you the verses for that. And preach the gospel to every creature. Well, that's good. <laughs> he goes, another one said, I want to go because millions are dying uh, without ever having heard of Jesus. The only one who can save them. Well, that's good too. Hudson looked at them all and said, he said this. He said, add them thoughtfully for a moment then said, all of your motives. What is your motive? All of your motives are good, but I fear that they will fail you in time of severe testing and tribulation. Especially if you are confronted with the possibility of having to, to face death for your testimony. The only motives that will enable you to remain true is stated, and he gives the verse, and the verse is this, 2 Corinthians 5.14, For the love of Christ constraineth us, because we thus judge that if one died for all, then all are dead, and that he died for all, they, uh, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them. And rose again. You know what to keep you going for the rest of your life? It's him. You know what keeps me going? Him. Nothing else. Not my family. Not my kids. Not anything I have. Him. You know why I do what I do? Him. I don't do it for anybody in particular. I do it for him. If I tell him I'm going to do something, then for him I'm going to do it. Come hell or high water. I don't care if I die. I will do it for him. Because he can bring me back to life if he wants to. <laughs> and if he don't, I get to go to heaven. What's wrong with that? I like heaven, man. I like the thought of going to heaven. I love the thought of not going to hell. I, I mean, I don't even think about that. 43 years ago, he got me out of that. And 43 years later, I'm still out of that. And the rest of my eternity, I'll be out of that. And this is the only time I get to do anything for him. You say, well, what, what are you doing? Uh, whatever he wants. If he puts it in front of me, that's what I'm going to do. You say, well, but I don't think that's because what you're thinking is the wrong thing. I'm thinking what he wants. And you know what? He'll tell you exactly what he wants. Do you know what he wants you to do today? Are you discouraged? You know how you get undiscouraged? Go find something to do for Jesus. I mean, find something really to do for Jesus and just do it. And say, Lord, what would you have me do? And just sit there and wait. And guess what? He might just come up to you one day. Or you're sitting there all discouraged. And you got your little boat out. And he says, I want you to pull out into the deep because I want to preach to everybody. Now, he ain't, he's not going to do that, obviously. But boy, he could come and say, hey, I want you to do this. Will you do it? Most things we do when he starts telling us what to do makes no sense at all. When he told me to get out of the Navy after 14 years, I could have wrote him a ticket. It was already ready. I could have wrote it. I had two aircraft carriers, and I was going to be an EMO on one of them. And he said, choose. The detailer done told me, you ain't going nowhere but one of these two ships. He said, you're going to be an EMO on one of these two ships. My ticket was laid in front of me, and the Lord said, but I'm going that way. That made no sense. You know how many people told me since the time I got out of the Navy, Elliot, you were crazy. You only had six more years, and you could have, you could have stood on your head all the way through that thing. I said, yeah, but the Lord was going that way. He told me he was going that way, not this way. I mean, he would go that way. I could never leave, he could never leave me or forsake me, but it wouldn't be the same. And if it's not the same, I don't want to go that way. I'll go this way with him, not knowing which way that was. 
And I had my wife with me. And I had, she was pregnant with Sarah and two kids, Andrew and Elizabeth. No job, no prospect, no nothing. Coming to Dayton. Yuck. An Air Force town. What's a sailor doing in an Air Force town? I don't know. Lord knew the bunch of Air Force people need to get saved something. I don't know. But you know what? I come up here and it's a great thing. I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't go anywhere else. I'm right where I think the Lord wants me. My wife tells me exactly what to do, and I do everything she tells me. She's at home. This is her home, and I just have to say, yes, dear, yes, dear. We got all our kids here. She's so tied in that I couldn't leave if I wanted to. But you know what? That's what the Lord did. He just did it. He said, what, what are you doing? What's your motive? What is your motive today? Are you discouraged at all? There's really no need to be discouraged. You got Jesus. If you're in here today and you got Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, there's no reason to be discouraged. Shortly. I like the way he says shortly. In 2,000 years ago, he says, shortly the Lord's coming. That's 2,000 years ago. Well, we're really shortly now. And one of these days, that trumpet's going to blow. And when it does, we're going to get out of here. And all of the troubles and the trials that go on on this planet are gone. And I get to be with Jesus forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. And that's just going to start. And then it goes on forever and ever and ever and ever. Did you get the point yet? I'm going to be with him forever. And he goes, Mike, just for a little while, I'm going to give you the opportunity to do something. Will you do it with a smile on your face? Are you discouraged today? Turn that discouragement into encouragement. David found a way to encourage himself in the Lord. He went out and killed a bunch of people. <laughs> Don't do that. <laughs> it was okay back then. It was okay. It was okay. The Lord told him to do it, so it's okay. He ain't going to tell you to do that. He ain't going to tell me to do that either. I go through my Bible, man. I mean, how about building an ark? You know what he did for Noah? He kept him out of trouble for 100 years. I don't know if you've ever built an ark or not, but I can imagine it would take a while. And he builds his ark, and 100 years later, the Lord comes up. Mm-hmm. Could you just see him? I can see him walking up. Like, like Abraham, up on the side of the mountain. Here comes the Lord with a couple angels. Where's my ark? And Noah goes, he's sitting here like this. He's already done it. He's resting now. He's resting. And the ark is behind him like this. And he's like, you can't see that? He's like, well, from heaven, it's kind of small. I had to come all the way down here to look at it. And he sees it. He says, okay, get on board. And everybody on this planet died. You know what the Lord cared about? A man named Noah who found grace in his sight. And he said, I still got a job to do. And if I have to take him down to eight to get it done, I'll take it down to eight. Boy, I'm sure glad he did that for me. I'm here because of that. I got in on this thing 43 years ago because a man named Noah many, 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 many years ago spent 100 years building an ark. You know, and, and you say, well, that didn't, well, it meant a whole lot to his boys and his wives. And it probably, I don't know if the, the animals on the ark could talk like Balaam's ass talked. But boy, they're all probably getting on and saying, Noah, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, Noah, thank you, thank you. I wonder if the Lord gave them all the voice so they could thank Noah as they're getting on the ark. Here comes an elephant. Oh, Noah, thanks for letting me on. A gnat. Thank you for letting me on. <laughs> Those are the ones you should have squished. <laughs> Are you discouraged? There's no need to be. If you're in here today and you don't know Jesus Christ, your personal Savior, I'm telling you what, today would be a great day to know him. If you do know him, today would be a great day to just say, Lord, thank you for what you've done for me.
My, my future's set. My eternity is there. There's maybe somebody that I could influence that's watching me, that is looking for what I do next, and they may be able to get into. I had a mechanic. He's working a car. I'm done right here. He's working on a car. This property over here we bought, there's a house at the end. And he asked, he said, can I rent that house? I said, no, you can't. And he said, why? I said, because if you rent that house, you've got to come to church. He goes, why do I have to come to church? I said, because I said you had to come to church if you rent that house. And I mean it, too. I'll be knocking on the door. I mean, that's right, real close, man. Church time! We'll put a bell on this thing. We'll put a steeple up there and put a bell. Ring, 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 ring. I mean, we'll irritate them all, man. You say, why would you do that? I just want to do something for Jesus just before he comes back. Wouldn't it be great, man, if he could just catch you doing something small and, and, and minuscule that the world thinks is minuscule? But to him, it means everything. Take a boat out a few feet was not a whole lot of anything for Peter. But boy, that thing, it says right there at the very last verse, it says, And when they had brought their ships to land, they forsook all. Now, I'd like to tell you this, and I am really done. I've already lied to you five or six times. This time, I'm really serious. You get over to John chapter 21, and Peter goes to fishing. He's already forgot about Jesus, thinks Jesus forgot about him. He's unpulled six or seven people with him. Six, I think six or more of them go out there with him. And they're out there fishing. And guess what? They ain't catching nothing there either. And the Lord comes to the shoreline. It says, hey, little children, have you caught anything? He said, cast your net on the right side. And they did, and they caught. And boy, they're right in the water and back. It says they forsook all and followed him. You know, sometimes you forsake all, and then life gets in the way. And you find yourself messed up and maybe not how to get back. And lo and behold, he's right on the shore trying to get you back. Because he knows that you're dust and he knows your frame. And he says, I'm going to get him back. Watch this. And Peter hit the water and swam in this time. And the Lord says, Peter, lovest thou me more than these? Yes. Oh, yes, Lord. Yes, I do. <laughs> That's our typical answer. Peter, lovest thou me more than these? Oh, yes, Peter, Lord, you know I do. Just checking. Peter, I love you. And you know what? Peter goes on, and he has to learn some more things. When he says forsook all, at that moment, they probably did and wanted to. You probably said it right now. I want to serve God the rest of my life. Well, why would you want to do that? For, you wouldn't want to do that for anybody else other than him. Are you serving him? Father, thank you for your blessings this morning. Lord, I don't know how, if anybody in here is discouraged today. I know discouragement comes a lot of different ways. And Lord, uh, if they are, I just pray that you would encourage them. Lord, you gave us one of the greatest gifts that could ever be given, and that's eternal life. You gave us salvation, Lord. You came 2,000 years ago, shed your blood at Calvary. You died, was buried, rose again the third day, Lord, and now you're sitting at the right hand of the Father. And anybody you said that comes, you will in no wise cast them out. He said, if thou believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, thou shalt be saved. If we confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus, believe in our heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Lord, you made a way for each and every one of us to get there. And if we have got there, uh, Lord, you told us that our joy needs to be full. Help us to get our joy full, Lord. Help us our cup runneth over that we can give uh, something to somebody else while we still have time to do it. Father, again, thank you for this morning. Thank you for everybody that came out. I just pray that you bless the invitation and we'll praise you in Jesus' precious holy name. Amen.